Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And if this is your first time tuning into Employee of the Month, it's a show all about dreamy jobs. Actually, it's a show about the dreamers who created not just jobs, but careers for themselves. And that's why I'm so excited to bring you my conversation with Jad Abumrad. He's the co-host of Radio Lab, which is a co-production of WNYC and NPR. It's a weekly radio show that looks at science and the philosophy behind science. Jad's won a MacArthur Grant, really the genius award. And in our conversation, he shows that being a genius isn't enough. You really need to be given the time and space and support, financially and otherwise, to really grow an idea. Our conversation was taped live at Joe's Pub. Enjoy. He is the recipient of a MacArthur Grant, which is also known as the Genius Award, and the host of the Peabody Award-winning and wildly popular radio show that is a joint production of WNYC and NPR, and it is called Radio Lab. Please put your hands together and welcome Mr. Jad Abumrad. Fantastic. How are you? So I wanted to find out, your office is at WNYC, and I wanted to know what is the ratio of people who wear elbow patches with irony to the people who wear elbow patches without irony? That's a complicated algorithm that would take me a while to puzzle through, (laughs) but I would probably say somewhere about 50-50. Okay. And what about the clogs to New Balance sneakers? (laughs) God, New Balance. I'm not even sure that the NPR universe that I'm a part of actually has New Balance. More into Mephisto still? Yeah. Sort of loafers. Really? Yeah. Now, so you won a Genius Award. Do they give you, like, a little card to carry around? No, they gave me, I mean, aside from the the money. $500,000. They gave me nothing. I mean, I had had one conversation with a dude in an airport and, and where I was told that I got it, and then I literally haven't heard from them, except for checks arriving, which is... And so they just send you checks. They don't send yeah. the whole thing out. It's $500,000. You can do whatever you want with it. Yep. Can you say I want it in $2 bills? Or? No, they give it to you in, in these quarterly payments. And the fact that they don't tell you what to do with it creates this like, incredible sense of, uh, like, of burden. Like You'd want to do the right thing because you're not being to told what burden. to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I'm, I, it's a good thing. It's a great burden. But yeah. uh, because they don't say this is what a good moral person does with this money, mm-hmm. you suddenly have to own that question yourself. Mm. And so you end up trying to do the right thing. So what have you done with the money? Well, um, I, aside from, you know, drug habits and various things, that, uh, I, I'm building a little studio. I took the staff out for a bunch of meals. Um, I, I haven't actually spent much of it yet, because uh, I'm still kind of figuring out what to do Good. with it. Good. Well, we have plenty of ideas for it. Um, <laughs> I did want to say that when people, when people say, like, so-and-so is a genius, are you ever like, actually, I'm technically a genius? Like, do you ever... If you, if you don't respect who they're saying is a genius, can you, like, cut in and be like, well... No, actually, what happens more often is that, is that someone asks me for an opinion about something I know nothing about and then looks at me like, genius, right? I, I get the opposite. Yeah, okay. You know, I get the expectation of being much smarter than I am now and uh, I can letting people down. Yeah. I can see also, like, your kids and your, your wife, maybe, you, you know, 
bringing that up when you don't do something correct at home. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, I wanted to show for everyone how sadistic I think doing radio is. Uh, it's similar to puppeteering where it's just so much work and um, there's an easier way to not get paid a lot and it's just print journalism. Um, so I just wanted to give, give a sample because Radio Lab takes an already um, really painful and tough exercise um, to a whole new level because you guys are so good at infusing um, sound and all these ambience and then you also edit a lot. I'm not allowed to say hyper-edit, but you guys do edit a lot on the, on the program. Um, so, Mitchell, is it okay if we show um, Jad's heartbeat? What? No, it's, oh. <laughs> it's your mother's sonogram. And, um... <laughs> so, uh, so this is, uh, this is, so like when you do interviews in, the, in the, the world we live in, which is digital now, it ends up in the computer. When you ingest all the sound into the computer, it ends up as these little squares. And right now what you're seeing is, um, you're seeing lines of purple squares and lines of yellow squares. And this, this is kind of like what, what your usual radio situation is that you will hear on the radio. Can you... everyone see that or do we need to dim the lights? We should just put the lights out totally. It would be like radio. Exactly. Imagination. Nice. Um, so, you know, it's like, if you can imagine, like, the top line is, like, Nina Totenberg talking about the Supreme Court. And it's not, but just imagine. And the yellow is, say, one of the lawyers that she argued, right? So you got your, like, you got your narration at the top, and then you got your, like, interview people in the, in the uh, second track. That's kind of like your basic NPR uh, story. So if you go forward one uh, slide... You know, when you get slightly more complicated, like say you got a reporter, uh, probably wouldn't be Nina Totenberg, but some other reporter who's like, who is doing a story out in the world and they've got themselves recorded, they've got the interviews recorded, and they want to add one more layer, uh, which is maybe sound, natural sound, then you'll have that third track then, which is be like maybe the sound of traffic if they've done the interview outside. So that's three layers. Um, if you go one more forward, Sometimes you get four layers, which is the interview on the top, the, uh, excuse me, the narration on the top, the interview in the middle, some natural sound as your third layer, and then maybe if you're like, say, This American Life, you use music. So that's your red track down there. That's what it will look like. So th that's kind of, and learning how to do radio, I stepped through all of those phases where it was like simple accent tracks, as we call it, then accent tracks Wait, and nat sound. What, what is your jazzy name for it? Accent tracks, actuality, oh. you call like, the interview tracks as you talking. I thought you were referring to Axe deodorant, but Axe as an actuality. Okay. And then uh, if you forward one more, this is, this is like your typical Radio Lab wow. episode right here. Um, wow. Where you have like, at the very tippy top, the top two layers, you've got like Robert and Jad, the two hosts, talking. And you see like these little blocks kind of pieced together. And then... Somewhere in the middle, you see like all this blue and red and yellow. That's kind of like all the sound design. I like to think of it as like that's where the orchestra kind of enters. You know, it's like when the band starts playing, and then the band goes away, and then you get more, and you have like a little solo at the top. And so that's kind of like typically where we end up. So when you say hyper edited, that's I think what you're referring to. This like 24 track uh, nightmare of obsessive editing. I think the that, rest of the genius grant money is going to therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love uh, track 17. Is that 17? There's like one little tiny little sliver. What yeah, what's this? there? What's what that? that? I have no idea. I don't know what this is. I've, I've lost the context for it. 
Um, well, this is very, very helpful to see how much work goes in. The, the other thing that, um, because you're originally a, a music, musician and musical composer, yeah. um, music is a very important part of this. Yeah, I mean, I actually started out um, not in journalism, which is unusual, I guess, for, for people who do what I do. Uh, I started as a musician who sort of fell into this. Um, uh, what do you mean fell? I mean, if you fall, you just trip. So how did you, how did you actually, you don't... It not, not too far from like an actual physical fall. I happened to be walking down the, uh, the uh, hallway right at a moment when the uh, program director of the moment uh, was like, you know, I really want to do something interesting on Sunday nights on the AM at 8 p.m. to 11 and, uh, Which no, hallway was this? This was the hallway of WNYC. So okay, I, so I had gotten in the building. The hall- okay. I was in the hallway, but I was one of those people that just kind of wanders the hallway without getting paid. I was one of those folks. Well, no, I mean, I wander many hallways without getting paid. I was, yeah, you know how it is. You just no, look I like don't. you should be there. Okay. I was one of those, and uh, maybe I was interning, or maybe I was like doing really small odd jobs. Well, you don't know if you were interning or not? I can't remember. Okay, great. It's good to know that you got the genius grant and... This was, this was 10 years I ago, I can't get so. a job on LinkedIn for Viacom. Yeah. In any case, so he says, he says, I want to do something interesting on Sunday nights. Nobody's listening. Uh, which turns out actually to, be, to have been literally true. Um, because I don't, know if you, I don't know if there are any AMA 20 listeners in this. Uh, uh, okay, there's some. Well, nice. you should know that right now you cannot get AM820 because they drop the power at night uh, because it, the frequencies bounce off the water and like land in Canada, apparently, or something like that, <laughs> and they interfere with stations out there. So they drop the power. It's always something with Canada. <sighs> it's the Canadians again. But unless you are literally hugging the transmitter, you cannot get that, that station. So I, would, I was doing a show for about a year for no one, um, called called Radio Lab, and um, and it was sort of like mu- it was a lot of music. It was a lot of old documentaries. Uh, so I just happened to be in the right place at the right time when he when this guy had an idea, and uh, I was a, I was given sort of I see now like the benefit of being ignored for a year, so I could suck for a long time and then gradually suck a little bit less. And by the time they moved me to the FM, which is where people could actually hear it. I was, I was somewhere between sucking and where I am now. Great. Um, speaking of sucking, I, I, we had talked a little bit when I met with you about um, self-sabotage and, and ways that um, uh, everyone has their different uh, demons. And, and you had mentioned deadlines was one really hard to grapple with when you were a freelancer and now that you're managing a staff. Yeah. How, do you, how, do, how have you self-corrected or have you self-corrected for deadlines, hitting them? D- deadlines are hard. Deadlines are hard. Um, I, I turn into like a big crying baby like 48 hours before a deadline and I'll beg to anybody who's in the hallway like, no, come on, let's just push it back. No one will care. There's a lot no of hallway walking going on. There's a lot of hallway therapy, <laughs> confessional type things. You're like just one long Aaron Sorkin <laughs> show. Except way less verbal <laughs> and smart. Um, so I, you know, I have a, I have a, I, doesn't everybody have this problem with deadlines? I mean, isn't this? I do, but I, I also don't have a genius grant on a, a show that's listened to by two million people. So it's, it's cathartic to hear that someone who's as successful as you are also struggles somewhat. Yeah. It's like you want it to be, you, I mean, you know, the problem is that like now it's, now there are people who work for me and there are, there's a station that gives a shit for the first time. And, uh, and so you have to turn things in on time and, uh, I kind of think of it as like you got to take out the trash. 
you know, or else it's like, I don't mean that in a negative way toward the content, but just like, you gotta do, you have to be an adult, you know what I mean? So, uh, <laughs> so I, I do struggle with that, um, but I try to, I try to think really hard about the concept of good enough right mm -hmm. now, because if it were left to me, my perfectionism would, I'd hang myself with my perfectionism every, every time. But now I think, okay, what's good enough to do right by the story, do right by the characters in the story, to do right by the staff so that they don't kill me, I don't kill them, uh, and that, you know, saves, saves some energy and some chi for the next one. Well, considering, I mean, you guys have done, what, over 300 stories, I'm going to guess? Somewhere around there, um, yeah. And you've had two that were, had some flack and everything else has been unbelievably popular. You're doing pretty well, I would say. I, I, you know, I, I'm grateful. Um, I wanted to ask also your parents, you're, you're a first generation uh, Lebanese immigrant, your dad's a surgeon, your mother is a scientist. Um, were they thrilled when you said, I'm gonna go off to Oberlin and do music? <laughs> they, they weren't, I, I don't know that they were thrilled, but they were, they sort of took the long game. They were like, you know, it's like playing for the fourth quarter, kinda. They were like, he'll figure it out. He'll come back to the tribe at some point. And, and it turned out I did, like, as in getting into music and failing at that, and then falling uh, into radio, I somehow ended up talking about science a lot, which is what they do. So, you know, I took sort of a long path to come back around to what they've been doing all, all along. You know? Your mom at least seemed really proud. I was reading this alumni newsletter in, um, I forget which university, in St. Louis is she at our university yeah. right now? And um, she was beaming about her, her son, who works for an Edward R. Murrow um, awarded show. She's, yeah, she's she used very to, proud. She used to do these things where she would take like a salt shaker, because she studies this protein that's involved in fat uh, getting in and out of cells, and she would take a salt shaker and she would try and, she would try and explain to me like, okay, here's, the, here's the, the fat and here's the cell. And something's gotta get the fat into the cell. Well, what gets the fat into the cell? It's a mystery. Okay, well, it used, to, it used to be thought that it would just go through osmosis and it would just wiggle its way in. But no, I discovered this protein. It's like, a little, it's like the canoe in the river sticks. You know, you get, put the fat into the canoe and it canoes it across the border of the cell. And there it goes. And she would do these elaborate explanations for me every day and I'd be like, oh, whatever, mom. And now I draw on those memories. I'm like, oh yeah, I just, I have to tap into that memory of her being passionate about a protein, like that's the, that, that becomes my material in a way. CD36, that's her hot protein. Nice. I know, I'm pretty impressive. <laughs> you found that out. <laughs> Katie, I'm impressed. Um, well, I just wanted to say that I love Radio Lab because even though everyone thinks it's a science show, it appears to be a, a more of a philosophy show where you really talk about what is the philosophy behind things and, and ask questions as whether dinosaurs exist or not, and, and if so, what did they eat, and it wasn't gluten-free food, and I like that you guys really um, look at things from that angle. I know also um, that you have work-life balance stuff that you, uh, like every parent has to deal with, but I was impressed that you work two days from home, and so I wanted to thank you for coming out on a school night, and I got a little gift for your kids. Um, there's a bird on my head. It's not very scientific or philosophical. Get the fuck out. That's But it's a great awesome. book. And in here is an envelope if you want to share any money for um, the uh, Genius Grant. It's uh, self-addressed. Uh, it really is an envelope for you. 
Chad Abermatt, it was a delight to have you on the show. Thank you so, so much. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go to Employee of the Month show to get details for our next upcoming live shows, March 5th and April 10th at Joe's Pub. You can go to joespub.com to get tickets. I would get tickets soon because the show always sells out. And I just want to give a special thanks to Dave Klatt, Ian Mazoff, the Beyondo Band, and Shockwave, the latter two who you often hear on the episode. This winter has been brutal. I feel like we're all in that Ray Bradbury essay where on the planet, there's these kids live on this planet where it always rains and there's one day of sunshine. And on the one day of sunshine, this girl gets trapped in the closet by her classmates and she never gets to see the sun. And I feel like for most of us around the country right now, that is our life. So I'm, I'm really hoping you do not get stuck in a closet in just the one day of sunshine. Talk to you soon. How can't you burn?